everybody, and welcome to the October 6, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine. And ladies and gentlemen, we have an amazing story tonight. By amazing, I mean awful. Uh, so the Supreme Court yesterday finally heard Kim Davis. Now, for those who don't remember, Kim Davis is a woman who, after the Supreme Court said gay marriage was legal nationwide in 2015, decided that she would not issue gay wedding licenses um, because she believed in the sanctity of marriage so much, by the way, that she engaged in it four separate times. I mean, isn't that just amazing? Isn't that, honestly, that's sanctity for you. That's the definition of sanctity of marriage. Uh, Davis was formerly a Democrat, then she had to register as a Republican because nobody in the Democratic Party, and even a large amount of people in the Republican Party, just thought she was insane. And as of right now, her seat, I'm not making this up, as a low-level clerk in Kentucky, was taken from her in an election by the gay man she denied a wedding license to, which I think was absolutely hilarious, truth be told. That was one of the highlights of 2018, in my opinion. Just seeing Kim Davis get defeated because, oh my god, I just couldn't stand her. Now, there are a million things that could have been said about the story, and they were said at the time. Like, for instance, uh, if you want to influence marriage laws, maybe you shouldn't be a low-level clerk in Kentucky. Maybe you should be a state legislator or a congresswoman or a senator or a judge or anything besides a low-level clerk in Kentucky. That's quite possibly the worst thing you could be. I just thought it was a publicity stunt, but apparently it went to the Supreme Court, which ruled 7-2 to two against her. Only two justices actually ruled in favor of Kim Davis, and those were Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, a George W. Bush appointee and a George Bush Sr. appointee. Which, I have to say, normally I wouldn't talk about the dissenting opinion in cases like this. I really wouldn't, because they're just not that interesting. Clarence Thomas, though, has had some interesting opinions in the past couple of years. You might remember when he took a disturbingly large amount of time ruling on an abortion case. Talk about how Planned Parenthood equals eugenics. Now... Meanwhile, Clarence Thomas, for those who don't know, is a black man, and also for those who don't know, despite Planned Parenthood existing throughout his entire life, to my knowledge at least, uh, he has never been sterilized in any way, there's never been a limit on how many children he can have, there's basically nothing that would lead you to believe he's the victim of eugenics, but he decided to just talk about that anyway, uh, because that's legitimately just the kind of scatterbrain Clarence Thomas is. And I won't make fun of him for that. After all, this is supposed to be a segment on his opinion, and I spent three minutes, we haven't even read it yet. Now, this is from The Blaze, by the way. I got this from a Daniel Horowitz op-ed. Yeah, Daniel Horowitz. I'm going to be confused with David Horowitz, who just, honest to God, is the grumpiest man in all of existence. You guys ever seen David Horowitz? Like, he's like 80, and he consistently looks like he's really, really angry. But he never talks like it either, and that's weird. I uh, know Daniel Horowitz is just a legal guy who looks like a nerd. Like, honest to God, he just looks like a giant nerd. <laughs> uh, but this is from his article. Only Justice Thomas and Alito indicate willingness to revisit gay marriage case. 
which, by the way, I have to say, this is a very, very awful article. I just want to make it clear this op-ed doesn't make any sense, or it's not an op-ed, it's an opinion column, doesn't make any sense for a variety of reasons. Here's just one example. Here's just one example. Uh, this is Horowitz's criticism of the gay marriage case. Just several years prior, in the Windsor case, then-Justice Anthony Kennedy cited prior precedent that, quote, states at the time of the adoption of the Constitution possessed full power of the subject of marriage and divorce, and the Constitution delegated no authority to the government of the United States on the subject of marriage and divorce. Well, wait a minute, Daniel Horowitz. Aren't you and your best friend Josh Hammer two of the biggest critics of Star Raid Decease? Which essentially just means previous precedent actually matters. That's all that means. Um, they absolutely hate it because they tend to lose precedence a lot. Uh, and as such, they just decide to change the rules every now and again. Because that's how people like this think, you know. You can't win, you change the rules. Clarence Thomas also contains some good ch rule changing. These are both, by the way. From Horowitz's article, these are the strongest sections of, Pal of Thomas's dissent. Davis may have been one of the first victims of this court's caviar treatment of religion in its Oberfeld decision, but she will not be the last. Actually, and by the way, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, Oberfeld, but eh. By the way, I thought Jack Phillips was a much clearer case of religious liberty not being allowed. I mean, think about it. Jack Phillips was a private citizen. He wasn't an elected official. He was just wanting to do what he wanted in his private bakery. He didn't want to serve gay people wedding cakes. Okay, I think he's a bigot. Wouldn't want him to serve my wedding. Uh, <laughs> no matter what it's to, no matter who it's to. But, hey, he has the right to do that. And the Colorado... Uh, Civil Rights Commission dragged him across town, but Thomas can't say that because the court ruled with Phillips. Because the court determined that, no, sorry, gay marriage is legal, okay? But with that said, you cannot force private companies to go against their religious principles. Kim Davis, however, was a public official. Her entire job was to serve the people. And you know what? As the people, in the form of the Supreme Court, determined through our constitutional structure that gay marriage should be allowed nationwide. And Kim Davis just had a hissy fit. She had a temper tantrum, as far as I'm concerned. The fact that she was such a big deal. She was mentioned in Republican primary debates. She was, like, actually this big figure. They played Eye of the Tiger when she visited. I think it was the RNC. Might have been something else. I think it was the RNC, though. It was something in 2015 or 2016. I forget what it was, but there was just Eye of the Tiger blasting to this woman. Her The only reason she was notable was because she said, I'm not going to do my job as an elected official. Okay, that's it. That's all she did. And she became this martyr. But here's more of what Thomas had to say. Due to Aberfell, those with sincerely held religious beliefs concerning marriage will find it increasingly difficult to participate in society without running afoul of Aberfell and its effects on other anti-discrimination laws. Oh yeah, he has a fair point. Like Jack Phillips. Wait, no, no, the court ruled with him. 
Uh, yeah, I have a lot of issues with this line of thinking. In truth, the only case we have so far where Oberfell has even remotely been a part, because even then, Phillips was more just general anti-discrimination, was Kim Davis, and she was a government official. That's it. She was a government official who honestly did not want to do her job. That's it. That's the that's her whole controversy. And I'm sorry, but that's not allowed. That's never been allowed, and that should never be allowed. You can't just say, well, there's a new law I don't like, so you know what? I'm not going to abide by it. No, you can't do that. As a low-level clerk in Kentucky, you don't have impact on laws. You have a position entirely dedicated to following laws. Okay? It's like if a it's like a police officer saying, you know what? I believe speeding is okay. I'm not going to enforce speeding laws. We would all go, wait, what? Why? No, if you want to fight against speeding laws, you become a state legislator. You don't get a position where your entire job is enforcing and following laws. There's a very, very noticeable difference. And uh, here's a part that was shared around Twitter that I just, honest to God, could not believe a sitting Supreme Court justice wrote because it was so ridiculous. This petition implicates important questions about the scope of our decision in Oberfell, but it does not clearly present them. For that reason, I concur the denial of, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, certainly, certainly, it, it's probably a well-known legal term, but I'm not a big legal mind, like high IQ Clarence Thomas, so, eh. Nevertheless, this petition provides a stark reminder of the consequences of Oberfell by choosing to privilege a novel constitutional right over the religious liberty interest explicitly protected in the First Amendment. Uh, by, by the way, I should note, religious liberty really only applies to individuals. It doesn't apply to government in any noticeable way and has not since the Civil War. Okay? And so, and if you really want to go back to the pre-Civil War era, might I add, where governments were allowed to have more say in religion, well, then that would enter a path that I know Clarence Thomas wouldn't go on, because that could mean that states, if they wanted to, could just ban religions entirely. As did happen, there were states that banned certain branches of Catholicism, or, well, there's only really one branch of Catholicism, but, or certain, but Catholicism, or certain branches of Protestantism, or Islam, or anything. Anything. That's what happened when we had Clarence Thomas's view, and it was a disaster for religious liberty. Does Clarence Thomas want us to go back to those days? No, he doesn't. He's just using this as a thinly veiled excuse to attack gay marriage. That's what it comes down to. That is the only thing this is. But here's where it gets, in my opinion, absolutely ridiculous. And by doing so, undemocratically, uh, might, might I remind you that one of the justices, the only justice that agreed with him in his dissent, Justice Alito, was appointed by George W. Bush. Yeah, undemocratically, sir. You know who was undemocratically elected, by the way? A certain Republican president in 2000. 
And Clarence Thomas voted with Bush and Bush v. Gore, make no mistake. And I believe even wrote, if not the entire majority opinion, a sizable chunk of the majority opinion. Um, so, no, he's never cared about democracy. And you know what? That makes sense, because while I think he was wrong in Bush v. Gore, I think the evidence showed that the Bush campaign was completely rigging Florida. The fact is, we do not live in a democracy. We live, and Clarence Thomas should know this, considering he's on the Supreme Court. He was not democratically elected and has served there for, I think it's been almost 30 years now. Never once had to face an election. Okay, he had to face a confirmation by the Senate after he was nominated by the president. Never once was he elected. The United States is not a democracy. We're a constitutional representative republic. And by the way, people like Clarence Thomas, the people on the Supreme Court, are specifically unelected in order for them to be able to make controversial rulings. Specifically, controversial rulings that protect the rights of the people. Do you imagine, for example, if a case like Brown versus the Board of Education had to be decided by a bunch of people who are up for re-election next year. Could you imagine how that would look? It would look very different. It would look very different. We'd be living in a much different world. There'd be almost none of the controversial Supreme Court rulings, either on the left or the right, because the justice would have to be worried that they'd be, um, that they'd lose re-election. And that's why we decided that, no, they were appointed for life specifically because, specifically because, we need them to be able to make controversial rulings. So yeah, it was decided undemocratically. That's the entire point. We don't live in a democracy. I don't know if you've noticed this, Clarence Thomas, but for the past almost four years now, our president, Donald Trump, has been in the White House despite the fact he wasn't democratically elected. Okay? He was not. He lost the popular vote. Now, he won the electoral vote, which is not nearly as much of a democratic system, and as such, I believe you could not say he was democratically elected. He was duly elected, maybe, but not democratically. Or, yeah, he would be duly, but not democratically. There is just so much wrong with that statement that it's just impossible to process. And it's funny, because Thomas Jefferson, or no, it was Ben Franklin who said democracy is uh, two wolves and one sheep voting on who to have for dinner. I can think of no better example of that than ballot initiatives in favor or against same-sex marriage. Because what were those? They were this minority of the population, the homosexuals, the sheep, if you will. There was one of them, and it was two straight people, asking, should this man be allowed to marry his boyfriend? That's what it was. Well, Clarence Thomas, who is supposed to be this constitutional scholar, who's supposed to be this hardcore originalist, looks at Ben Franklin's quote and says, Wait, really? Oh my god, that's awesome! And then says, Eat the sheep! Eat the sheep! That's what Clarence Thomas is doing right now. He's going up there screaming, Eat the sheep! Eat the sheep! That's what he's saying. That is what he is telling not just the homosexual population, not just the LGBT population, but the entire population in the U.S., he is okay. 
with two wolves deciding, or two wolves and one sheep voting on who to have for dinner. That's what he's telling us. And you know what? As somebody who has any understanding of our constitutional framework, I should be looking at this and tearing my hair out because that doesn't make any sense in the slightest. Clarence Thomas's entire argument against gay marriage in this ruling, a ruling that thankfully he lost, was that, well, they didn't follow the process that was specifically but they used the process specifically designed in the case that the majority would trample on the rights of the minority. Checkmate gay marriage advocates. No, you didn't prove anything. You didn't prove anything, Clarence. You just made yourself look really ridiculous. Anyway, on a lighter note, Joe Biden acted weird. <laughs> I know. In a campaign event in Florida, this was captured uh, by Jack Posebeck. He was at a campaign rally. This was posted yesterday. And he said, and this is, uh, I'm paraphrasing a little, basically along the lines of, the good news for me is I'm here, the bad news for you guys is I'm coming back. So he's a little bit self-deprecating. You know, that's Joe Biden for you. Always Always the funny one. Always the funny one. Uh, <laughs> I especially, personally, found it funny when, during those Clarence Thomas hearings, he was making really weird movements and saying things that he had no idea about to try and sound really smart. That was really funny, Joe Biden. Like, that was really funny. Uh, <laughs> Joe Biden has a history of being very, very funny. Seriously, I... I I continuously say that Biden did not attack Thomas, and he really didn't. He didn't side with Anita Hill. Have you actually ever watched him during those hearings? It's honest to God awful, and yet hilarious at the same time. And Clarence Thomas just sitting there with no idea what he's talking about. Uh, and that, by the way, is why Biden voted against Thomas. And as we just covered last segment, that would have been a very, very good move for the rest of the Senate to do. Uh, he then said, while pointing to some girls who were, I think they were of Haitian descent, and, uh, you know, they looked like they were in this giant group. I think Biden thought they were, like, performers of some kind, too, which is probably a little racist, truth be told. But, you know what, at this point, who cares? Like, seriously, wait, we have... Every new accusation against racism against Joe Biden. I didn't believe in the boy who cried wolf thing. And then I read Joe Biden being called racist for saying the word ain't. You guys remember that one? <laughs> I covered that. That was a serious thing. It was uh, the you ain't black thing. And Candace Owens said, imagine if Donald Trump had said the word ain't. Was Hank Hill a racist? I'm genuinely curious, Candace. Uh, but he points to these girls and says, And I want to see these beautiful young ladies. I want to see them dancing when they're four years older, too. <laughs> okay, that's really weird. Although, to be blunt, if you don't know, Joe Biden is kind of weird by this point. You really don't know Joe Biden, do ya? Yeah, Joe Biden... For those who don't know, is supremely, 
unbelievably weird. Like, wow, you have no idea how weird this guy is. Now, the question becomes, what did Joe Biden mean? Uh, did he mean that he thinks these girls are going to be strippers in 2024? Why'd he pick four years anyway? Why'd he pick four years anyway, some are wondering. And as such, he is going to kidnap them and take them to little St. James himself, uh, <laughs> where him and his best friend, and the only friend of Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Clinton, is going to... <laughs> I can't say this with a straight face! <laughs> I know... I know, I shouldn't be laughing this hard at the idea um, of Joe Biden playing snatch and grab with Haitian girls and taking them to uh, Jeffrey Epstein, who didn't kill himself, pedophile island. But that's seriously what some people think Biden meant by this. Or is it possible, he said, in four years, because they looked like performers, okay? And they did. Look at the photo. Th those aren't street clothes for most Americans. I'm sorry. They're bright and they're colorful. They're the things most people only really wear, especially if you're traveling in a large group. When you're a performer and the clothes look like dancing clothes. I'm sorry, they did. They did. Okay? And did he mean did he pick four more years? Because if he wins 2020, that would be the year he'd be up for re-election. And as such, that means, hear me out on this, guys, he wants to see them dancing because he thought they were performers. By the way, has anyone actually, like, proven they weren't? Has anyone, like, even looked into who he was talking to in the first place? No one? Okay. Um, and as such, he wanted to see them perform, preferably when things opened up more four years from now, when the COVID pandemic ended, when the you know, COVID pandemic had been over for a while, that would be 2024, okay? When he makes a campaign stop in Florida to try and get reelected. Is that possible? Is that even a possibility? No. No, we got to assume the worst case scenario with Joe Biden. And the reason why we have to assume the worst case scenario with Joe Biden is because the media has painted this picture, not entirely intentionally, mind you, of this man who's constantly giving away his secrets, of this man who's constantly giving away the information we shouldn't know. And as such... As such, whenever Joe Biden says anything, the first reaction of a lot of Americans is that, oh my god, he's a predator. These are the same people, the media, who attempted to basically spend, like, years. You guys remember this? This was basically the entire conversation around Biden from 2017, really up until he got the nomination, 
Or no, about slightly before he got the nomination. Slightly before then. That he was this big sexual predator. That he groped all these women. That he acted creepy around all these girls. And you know what? To be fair, he had done some things that, yeah, were a little creepy. You know, they pushed a narrative by from an author who had been completely discredited, might I add, that, oh my god, Joe Biden made Secret Service watch as he swam naked in the White House. Side note, as if, first off, Secret Service is watching him 24-7 anyway. If you're in Secret Service at that time, I'm sorry, you saw Joe's Biden if you catch my drift. Uh, I'm talking about his penis, of course. <laughs> Just wanted to make that clear. Just wanted to make that clear. And by the way, the book that made that claim was by an author who had been discredited time and time again. And people just ran with it. And then, and we had a chance to cover Tara Reid. That was just when the show was starting up. Tara Reid, uh, the woman who accused Joe Biden of sexually assaulting her. And her greatest evidence, the evidence of this. Might I add, she had left D.C. for about six different reasons. And the most evidence we really had was that some woman who she now claims was her mother called into Larry King tonight and said, hey, uh, yeah, my daughter's being molested by someone in Washington when Joe Biden was in the Senate. Or that she had been uh, groped by someone in Washington, or even if it was someone in the Senate. You still got like a 1% chance it was Joe Biden. There were people in the Senate at the time who later stepped down for sexual assault scandals. Okay? Well, wasn't this just before? I forget if it was Jesse Helms or Strom Thurmond. One of those two was in a sexual harassment scandal just a few years after that phone call. Wouldn't it make more sense for it to be them instead of Joe Biden? Really? Really? Are we... Really removing that possibility that it's the well-known... Okay. Okay, media. Okay. And this was supposed to be the big slam dunk, despite the fact, might I add, she didn't even claim she was... Well, but her final version of the account was fairly graphic. But she didn't even claim she was in any way full-on assaulted by him before she just said that, oh, there was a miscommunication and he groped me. Which is a little, which is still wrong. Don't get me wrong. But like, that's a 25 years later, we'll, we can see if he learned his lesson kind of wrong. As opposed to a career ending wrong. And then, for that matter, it turned out that literally every piece of evidence went against her. That was the saga of Tara Reid. And the entire point of pushing Tara Reid onto us, might I add, was specifically, specifically, so Joe Biden couldn't say anything without us thinking he's a predator. That's why the media pushed Tara Reid onto us. And what we are seeing now is the end result of that. Joe Biden made an offhanded comment of, hey, I'd like to see you when I'm here in four years, when I'm running for re-election. That is what the American media has done to Joe Biden. And you know what? At this point, why well, even bother trying to correct it?
I mean, Biden's up regardless. He's up like, what, 16% in the latest poll? Almost every meta-analysis has him winning. And the, by the way, the amount of undecided voters is nowhere near tight enough, or nowhere near large enough as it was in 2016, like it was in 2016, to swing the election. And don't go pulling that argument out on us. <laughs> They're using every tool in their arsenal, because the media wants Trump in office, because that's how they get their stories. You guys really think that, like, Stephen Colbert, who made a cartoon show about Donald Trump, you guys really think he doesn't want Donald Trump in office? I loves Donald Trump being in office. That's how he gets his material. That's how he gets his material. And I would just like to say, once and for all, that it doesn't even matter anymore what these people say. And that is, at the end of the day, amazing. Anyway, last story for tonight. Donald Trump does what some are calling the death blow to his administration. Now, of course, we've had several of those at this point. Uh, wow, it seems like we're always getting death blows. Trump kills stimulus talks, tweets no deal until after I win election. And this is from NBC. President Donald Trump effectively killed any chance of a new coronavirus relief package ahead of the presidential election when he tweeted Tuesday that he won't agree to the deal after I win. Quote, Nancy Pelosi is asking for $2.4 trillion to bail out poorly run, high-crime Democratic states. Money that is in no way related to COVID-19. Uh, this is the final straw, by the way, because as we all know, there's nothing Trump voters uh, hate more than getting to feel superior to other states. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, just for the record, NBC major the correct, Trump said the aid package passed by the House Democrats last week, which is actually for $2.2 trillion. Great work, um, NBC. We made a generous offer of $1.6 trillion, and as usual, she is not negotiating in good faith. I am rejecting their request and looking to the future of our country. Uh, I have instructed my representatives to stop negotiating until after the election when, immediately after I win, we will pass a major stimulus bill that focuses on hardworking Americans and small businesses, he continued. I have asked Mitch McConnell not to delay, but to instead focus full-time on approving my outstanding nominee to the United States Supreme Court, Amy Coney Barrett. And of course Barrett's going to be how he rigs the election. If the margins are even remotely in his favor. You guys watch. It is going to be. There are going to be states that can test the election results. And they're all going to be states run by Republicans, which Joe Biden won. You'd probably not in a landslide. They're going to be like swing states. In 2000, it was Florida. It wouldn't surprise me if one this time around was my own home state of Ohio, the state that I currently live in. Uh, although DeWine isn't really a big Trumper. So, you know what? I don't know which way this is going to go. I imagine he's at least setting it up. So, there will be some Republican governors in swing states that could contest the election if they want to. Uh, however, the question remains if they want to, and a lot of them do. A lot of them do. Okay? A lot of them do. Sorry, a lot of them want Donald Trump to win. I know that's surprising to a lot of people. But no, most Republicans don't care what happens as long as Donald Trump wins. 
Okay, a lot of them do. I'm sorry, guys. A lot of them do. So will this be the straw that breaks the Trump presidency? I highly doubt it, truth be told. Really, I'm going to go the opposite direction of even Trump's own base on this one and say, no, I don't think it's going to affect things all that much. Because they've made excuses for literally every other thing Donald Trump has done. You guys really think this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back? Trump not passing a relief package for COVID? No, I doubt it. I honestly do doubt it. I genuinely do not believe that we are going to live in a country where the fate of the election is decided by a stimulus package. I really don't. I really don't. The people who are most mad at this, we're never going to vote for Trump anyway. They're on the edge of voting for Trump or voting for Biden. They're probably going to vote for Biden anyway. I'm sorry, but it's true. You guys really think that, and the rest of them, the people who are like the James Kirkpatricks and the Will Chamberlains, who are also mad at this, they're going to vote for Trump no matter what, dude. Like, they're going to vote. They pretend that, oh, man, Donald Trump does have some issues. They're still going to vote for him over Joe Biden any day. You guys really can see Will Chamberlain voting Democrat or James Kirkpatrick voting Democrat or Tucker Carlson voting Democrat? I doubt it personally. That's just a me thing. No, I don't even need to get into the substance of this to know this is not going to take down Donald Trump. Okay, there have been a lot of things that supposedly are going to take down Donald Trump. And this is in the long list of things that just aren't one of them. And that's our show. Good night.